Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. It's never been more important to diversify your financial portfolio. Well, that's right. The S&P is down 20% from the last year, and this year looks even worse. Gold and precious metals offer a hedge against inflation and stock market volatility. And Legacy Precious Metals is the company Ken and I trust. Protect your retirement account by rolling it into a gold-backed IRA or have metals shipped directly to your door. Call our friends at Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173. Or visit buylegacygold.com. Welcome to the show. And one of the uh, this is this is a uh, uh, really disturbing week up in Sacramento. It's the last week that the legislature can pass something stupid for the year 2022. Uh, this is the uh, last week of the session, and then they go off to uh, lie to people during their campaigns, and then you have uh, election day, <clears throat> and and uh, any 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 bills uh, that are going to be voted on by Gavin Newsom vetoed or passed, uh, have to be uh, passed by the Senate and the uh, Assembly this week. And one of those is Assembly Bill 257, which has, you know, one of their stupid uh, misleading names called the Fast Food Recovery Act. This is about the state government lording over the fast food industry uh, and, and basically telling them what to do, how much they can pay, uh, how much they should pay. Uh, the workers, uh, this legislation has uh, been uh, loudly opposed by the California Restaurant Association and the International Franchise Association, among others. And we're going to talk now to Jeff Hanscom. He is the vice president of state and local government affairs for the International Franchise Association. Um, to try to explain this, uh, Jeff, how are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Good. How are you? What is, if this bill goes through and this this agency this committee is created? What is what are these fast food restaurant owners going to have to live under? <laughs> it's uh it's hard to know at this point. Um, the the legislative or I'm sorry the the, the legislative uh, AB two five seven the the piece of legislation that we're talking about basically creates a ten member uh, council uh, outside of legislative authority. Uh, outside of legislative, with really no meaningful legislative oversight, uh, that has relatively unfettered uh, ability to set workplace standards, uh, minimum wage standards, safety standards, uh, even things that could go against what Cal OSHA is doing. So, you know, what uh, what business owners and restaurant owners in California may ultimately face as a result of this is is to be determined. Uh, I think if, if history tells us anything, it's certainly not going to make their life easier. That, that much I think we can almost guarantee. So this obviously is going to set wage minimums, right, for fast food workers that are going to be, I would guess, significantly higher than what they're making now. It certainly has that power. Within the, the legislative, uh, within the, the piece of legislation itself, They the council has the authority to jump the minimum wage in the restaurant sector um, the counter service and quick service restaurant sector, I should say, 
to up to $22 next year. Um, so they could face a pretty significant increase in their, in their wage standards uh, as soon as next year. And is this the only industry that has an unelected council governing day-to-day details? It, this would certainly be unprecedented. Yeah, I mean, you know, even California that, that does a lot of uh, wonky things in policy, um, there have been other forays into this in, in, in the garment industry and things of that nature, but nothing to this extent. Uh, and, and really, I, I should also point out that it's not just it's not the restaurant community as a whole. What they're doing is singling out a specific subsector of the restaurant community and specifically those folks that operate uh, either under or those folks that operate under a national brand. And you have to have 100 or more locations nationwide in order to be covered by this. Um, the reason that it's 100 and not 50 or the reason that's 100 and not 27, nobody seems to be able to identify what what makes folks with the 100 locations nationwide unique. But um, so it's, it's not even just the restaurant community. It's just a subsection of the restaurant community uh, within California that will be, and, uh, um, you know, o- overseen by this council. And why? That's a, that is a, that is the, uh, well, I would say million dollar question, but it's probably the multi-billion dollar question at this point. Uh, why? No one seems to be able to articulate. And to that point, uh, we have repeatedly pointed out to uh, folks in Sacramento that there is no data supporting the notion that folks uh, who work in the quick service and counter service restaurant industry are at any greater likelihood of workplace violations than their counterparts um, in the non quick service or counter service, or even those folks who work in a, maybe in a restaurant that has 50 locations. Well, they're making, um, uh, they're making also, a claim, which I assume is fake is that restaurant workers in the fast food industry are victims of wage theft by those who employ them. Yeah, absolutely. And what is that? Yeah, what that, is wage theft? The, <laughs> the entire notion, the entire premise that this bill is built on is a house of cards at best. And that, that is that is a probably over overstatement feat. The state's own data that we diligently researched demonstrates that uh, the, the quick service and counter service restaurant space actually have a demonstrably lower rate of any sort of wage violations than um, a number, virtually all other industries in California. So the notion that folks who work in this space are subjected to or, or subject to a higher rate of workplace violations is simply not supported by fact. Um, really, the ultimate premise of this bill is an effort to expand unionization, right? That's what it really comes down to. Why don't workers just organize a union for themselves at an individual franchise? Why does the government have to create this this council to boss the <laughs> yeah, restaurants why, around? Well, why does the uh, why does the government of California end up paying using taxpayer dollars to basically be an arm uh, for SEIU and the collective bargaining as a whole? Is a great question. Uh, workers at individual locations, franchise or not, are completely uh, free to form their own unions. Um, there's nothing, and I think recent news has has demonstrated that that ability is there, um, but especially with regard to the franchise business model, um, you know, the, the North star, if you will, of, of organized labor has always been to organize brand by brand, as opposed to restaurant by restaurant. Uh, and this, and make no mistake about it. This is exactly a tool uh, in their toolbox that they are looking to, to achieve that ultimate goal. Well, what, uh, is this, this going to drive up prices? I would guess it has to. For for the consumer, Absolutely. I mean, everybody listening yeah, they, they, is the consumer. So, what are we all paying more now for the for the burger and fries? 
There's absolutely no doubt about that. We've uh, we, we worked on research with uh, some folks down at UC Riverside, some economists down there. There is absolutely no doubt that this commission, this council, will ultimately drive up prices. And the, those, 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 uh, those, with the, you know, we got inflation at the highest level in, in 40 years. You know, we're looking at a, probably a 20% increase in food costs for the consumer. Uh, and, you know, the folks who frequent these restaurants most often are the folks who can least afford to, you know, well, suffer a 20% increase well, in their daily food costs. It used to be the free market, right? You, you, the employer sets the wages, and if you don't like them, then you don't have to take the job. And if the employer finds someone else to take that wage, then they replace you. And that's the way it generally works in the U.S. This seems like something the Soviet Union would have had. This is basically uh, sectoral bargaining, right? Sectoral bargaining is uh, something that Europe sees and has been been over there, uh, has never been uh, really uh, taking a foothold in the U.S., but, you know, make no mistake, I mean, establishing this, this wage council to, uh, um, to basically negotiate, collectively bargain on behalf of an entire sector is essentially collective or is essentially sectoral bargaining. Um, so, you know, again, unprecedented. I know sometimes California prides itself on being on the, uh, on the, the, the leading edge of, of certain policies. This one, I think, is certainly going to have some ramifications itself Should across be. the entire consumer Should. base out there. Should not be the government's business. Do you think Newsom signs this? I we are certainly going to emphasize that it would it is uh, bad public policy, and we uh, will ask him to veto it. Um, it it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to play fast on on what's going to be signed here. It's obviously going to be a, a flurry of activity between now and the end of September when when the governor has to take action all, on all the bills that end up on his desk. Um, but, you know, I, we would certainly uh, and we will be advocating for him to reject this, this public policy, this, this particular piece of legislation. Um, you know, I think it's, I think we've got an uphill battle to climb there, though. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, Jeff. Jeff Hanscom, Vice President, State and Local Government Affairs, the International Franchise Association, about this bill that would set up this government council to decide what fast food, fast food workers would get paid in California, among other labor issues. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right, we've got more coming up. John and Ken, KFI, coming up after 4 o'clock. We're going to talk about the case uh, up in Sacramento. I talked about it a lot yesterday. A woman was Mary-Kate Tibbetts, and uh, she was the one who was murdered, raped and murdered at the age of 61, along with her dogs killed and her house burned down because some local homeless thug named Troy Davis was uh, let out without bail. And uh, he went on this violent crime spree against Kate Tibbetts. We're going to talk to Dan Tibbetts, uh, the brother of Kate and Greg Totten with the California District Attorneys Association, because as I've been telling you, uh, no bail Bob Hertzberg is still trying to get the no bail bill pushed through the Assembly and Senate before tomorrow. That's the deadline for the year. And try to get it to Newsom's desk. No bail Bob. Last year, he withdrew the bill because Kate Tibbetts got murdered by a guy who was given no bail. And then we had a referendum vote, a proposition vote, on, uh, and, and most of the public voted no on no bail. But he's coming back anyway. And this same, this same guy, Bob Hertzberg, is going to be is running for uh, L.A. County Supervisor. And uh, covers a wide swath in the uh, the west side and in the valley. And he is bad, bad news. And uh, we're going to see where this where this bill is in Sacramento.
that's uh, actually co- close to getting passed, and if, if Newsom would actually sign this thing. You know, Newsom, who, according to uh, one writer at Real Clear Politics, will be president someday. It's not if. It's a will. So we'll give you that coming up after 4 o'clock. Um, you know, this is... This is just crazy. Sometimes I read these stories and I have to double and triple check them to see if it's real. But uh, Trump had a fit today. You know, he's got his own social network site called Truth Social. This is because they won't let him on Twitter or Facebook. So um, he posts there. But he he posted 60 times in 12 hours. 60 times. I don't know what kind of spasm that is. But and he's he's demanding that they hold a new election now so that he could be elected president again. One forty six a.m. this morning. He writes the presidential election was in capital letters badly and irreparably tainted by the FBI's fake description of the laptop from hell to Facebook and the lamestream media and for many other reasons as well. Declare the rightful winner or hold a new election now, in capital letters. Our country, which is failing badly, knows the score and will never accept criminal election interference. The FBI just fired its special agent in charge of this outrageous and very illegal assault on the Constitution of the United States of America. And he goes, he goes on and on for 58 more posts. Now... You know, I think I think Biden is is completely senile and would be easily beatable. But uh, if Trump is this obsessed on the last election, he's going to get crushed. This is the worst idea uh, among a lot of bad ideas we've seen over the years to 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 write 60 posts about the 2020 election um, when when it, it doesn't matter what you think happened. That decision is never going to be changed, and to be demanding a new election I is completely nuts, just absolutely crazy, and that is, is, that is no way to win. And the way I don't think Biden is in control of his mind anymore, I don't think Trump is in control of his mind anymore. I think Trump served a very useful purpose for a while, but this, this, there are so many great issues to to sink your teeth into right now there's so much nonsense going on in the country and to be constantly carrying on about the 2020 election nobody no, very few people are going to going to be able to take this that's 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 not an issue to win a 2024 election you you can't constantly talk about the past especially when you don't have a single shred of evidence that held up in court and you went to 60 courts I mean, I mean, you, you, this is the greatest. I don't know if it is denial or he's faking it because he thinks there's some kind of psychological ploy that's going to work on enough people. And I guess it has worked to some extent, but for it to work and, and, and actually uh, win a presidential election primarily on this. I would have never thought that this would still be going on almost two years later. I mean, in a, in a little over two months, it's going to be two Stinking years since the election. Nothing is ever going to change that result. Nothing. Impossible. And I'm really 
disturbed by a guy who's up the entire night and puts 60 posts on social media. I mean, at some point, reality's got to sink in. And reality's got to sink in with a lot of his followers, too. This is not normal. This is not good behavior. This is not this is not rational. This is, you know, there there's other people out there who could uh, do a far better job at uh, beating whatever the Democrats put up with for president, but uh good lord. I saw this today and I thought, wow. I mean, this is now turning you you really you, can you imagine a Trump Biden rematch? It, it's two mentally impaired people now who are who are going to be bellowing at each other. This is this is going to be like the nursing home election. It's two two uh two guys near 80 years old completely disconnected from reality. Sure, give them the nuclear codes. What what could go wrong? More coming up John and Ken show coming up after 4 o'clock. We are going to have Dan Tibbets, the brother of uh, Kate Tibbets who was murdered in Sacramento last year, uh, raped and murdered at the age of 61, along with uh, her dogs were killed, her house burned down because they let out a vagrant on no bail named Troy Davis. And he got let out, no bail. And this is, this is one of those marquee cases for why there should not be a concept such as no bail. Uh, and they're trying to ram it through again. This is, is Bob Hertzberg, the idiot state senator who's running to be the idiot Los Angeles supervisor. And he's pushing this. The deadline is tomorrow to get it through the assembly in the Senate and send it to Newsom. We'll talk to Dan. We'll also talk to a California District Attorneys Association rep, Greg Totten, about this travesty. Now, we spent, we spent some time yesterday on... Um, that that Gavin Newsom uh, bill that he signed, which uh, by 2035 you can't buy a gas-powered car anymore, and by 2026, 35 percent, over a third of cars sold in California are supposed to be electric cars or hybrid plug-ins, and that's less than three and a half years away. Obviously, 2026. And we talked yesterday about the lack of chargers in the state for people and the lack of a built-out electrical grid to feed those chargers. And we were asking yesterday, so what's the plan here? Well, I went looking for more stories last night, and... It's, it's kind of worse than I thought because um, they have appropriated money, but they haven't necessarily spent the money. And a lot of business owners don't want the money to build electrical electric charging stations for cars. Um, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of plans on the drawing board. But things never get built. That's why we don't have enough uh, energy in the state. Probably this week we're going to have energy rationing again, electricity rationing. You know, there's water rationing that's hit part of L.A. County. We'll talk about that later because uh, there's uh, a, a there's a big leak in a pipe 
that connects the water supply to the Colorado River. Uh, and they just either have never built the infrastructure or haven't been maintained it. And there's a lot of boondoggles out there. This is one of them, the electric chargers. Um, California, just last month, applied to get $384 million from the federal government to subsidize thousands of fast EV charging stations over the next eight years to put them along the freeways, the 15, the 91, and the 210. Because it turns out, well, we need 1.2 million charging stations by 2030, 1.2 million, and we only have 80,000. And of those 80,000, we have only 7,000 fast charging stations. And that's a wrinkle that I hadn't considered 24 hours ago. You can't just have charging stations. You have to have fast charging stations. And out of the 80,000 we have, over 90% are slow charging, which means you want to charge your car, you've got to sit there for hours. About the only system that works is having a Tesla car with a, with a Tesla charge. And if you don't have that, good luck. I mean, uh, pumping gas takes, you know, five to seven minutes. And I don't think anybody wants to be driving down the freeway and you have to stop for three hours. And speaking of that, there's a Wall Street Journal story about a writer who tried for four days to go from New Orleans to Chicago in an electric car looking for charging stations. Wait till, wait till I tell you about that. But in, in this case... <clears throat> There's only 110,000, uh, there's only 20,000 charging stations across the country. Now, you think about this. We need 1.2 million in California in about seven years. 1.2 million. There's only 20,000 fast stations in the country right now. Uh, and there's hundreds of miles between them. Now, the newest electric vehicles average about 250 miles per charge which to me isn't much. My car gets 400 miles to a tank of gas. I got a 20-gallon tank that gets about 20 miles a gallon. And, and you may get much better mileage than that. But here they're talking about 250 miles per charge. That's not much. And I, I saw a story the other day where somebody writes, well, come on now, most of you, you just have short drives every day. It's like, yeah, except I buy a car to use it all year round, including weekends and vacations. I don't just buy it to tootle around town. Um, you want to buy one car that could be an all-purpose car. And, and they have found that um, nearly half of Californias, Californians who are renters live in apartments, townhouses, homes without space for chargers are going to be out of luck here. Because they don't have access necessarily to a plug from where they park their car. And there may not be room to install a charger. Again, you want fast charging. You don't want to just plug it into the outlet in your garage. That could be six, eight hours. You want something that's going to work quickly. So they are applying for grants to... Uh, install these chargers. Now, what are the odds that this is going to work? They have a program to try to get companies 
to install EV chargers at gas stations, hotels, restaurants, travel centers. But many of the business owners don't want them. They talked to a woman named Raina Shoemaker. They own a travel center in Lincoln, Nebraska. And she said she'd love to start offering EV charging, but doesn't think it's an option. Because even with a grant, she'd have to spend $100,000 to install the system. And she doesn't think she'd ever make a profit. First of all, there's a lot of elect- there's a lot of extra charges that electric companies tack on. And when there is a sudden big spike in energy use, you have to pay a penalty for that. So if a customer uses a quick charge station, that's a lot of electricity used in a very short time, and that's going to trigger the penalty fees. And if there aren't a long line of customers, well, Shoemaker's not going to make money to cover the demand charge. Not going to make a profit. They don't, they don't have enough customers that are interested, she said. And that, 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 that's like a little angle that I didn't know about and didn't think that you want these businesses to have charging stations, but the electricity for a fast charger is going to cost a, a, a big uh, premium that customers aren't going to want to pay and the business owners aren't going to want to pay. And she says she doesn't get many customers who want this to begin with. So now when we come back, I'll tell you about uh, the writer for the Wall Street Journal that rented an electric car for a four-day road trip. And they write, I spent more time charging it than I did sleeping. It's coming up next on the John and Ken Show. Oh, so much information hidden out there. You just have to go look for it. You know, you heard all kinds of headlines when uh, Newsom said uh, that by 2035, we can't buy gas-powered cars anymore. And in fact, uh, by three and a half years, three and a half years from now, 2026, 35% of cars sold are going to be electric or plug-in hybrids. Well, yeah, sure. Because I'm finding all the stories about uh, the disaster that charging stations are in this country and the disaster that the electrical grid is. Here's some more information. Um, it looks as if, uh, according to a public survey, 20% of the people who stop at a public charger end up not charging their vehicle, mostly because the charging station was malfunctioning or was outright out of service. And a lot of these are what's known as level two chargers. Level two chargers are really, really slow. They're the ones most found in parking garages or at hotels. They do not get high scores from uh, the public. Now, very low satisfaction scores because they take too long. I'll give you an example. This woman uh, in the uh, Wall Street Journal wrote a story a few weeks back on a trip. Her name's Rachel Wolf. that uh, she had a friend. Uh, a woman named Mac and Rachel and Mac were going to drive from New Orleans to Chicago in an electric car. And what 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 she said was she's made long road trips before. It was a two thousand mile trip. They were going to do it in just under four days. She had a battery range of three hundred and ten miles, and she split the days into four chunks of seven and a half hours each. 
We'd need to charge once or twice every day and then plug in near the hotel overnight. And they even had a plug share app. It was a map of public chargers showing thousands of charging options between New Orleans and Chicago. But most were level two. And that requires around eight hours for a full charge. This is what I'm telling you. They claim, oh, well, you know, there's uh, you know, uh, hundreds of thousands of charges around the country. Well, most of them are level two. 27% of them don't work. And if you do get one of these chargers, uh, good luck for eight hours. That's, that's a tough road trip. Um, they stopped at one charger, uh, which promised an 80% charge in 20 to 30 minutes. Well, 20 to 30 minutes is way more than five to seven minutes for gas. Um, plus it costs, they spent $175 on charging. Now that's cheaper than gas. Cause that would have been two seventy-five. But, um, in new Orleans where they started, they have exactly zero fast chargers. Uh, there was one about 40 minutes away, but after 35 miles, they already lost 15% of the battery. They thought the quick charge should take about five minutes to replace that 15%. But actually, it took an hour. Um, and then they tried to find a wall-mounted charger in Meridian, Mississippi, at a Kia, Kia dealership. Asked a mechanic about the charger. He says he doesn't know anything about the machine. Goes to the receptionist, who says, go check with a technician. Not many people use the charger. And uh, a full charge will take three-plus hours. Turns out not all the fast chargers live up to their name. The biggest variable is how many kilowatts a unit can churn out in an hour. Fastest chargers can pump out 350 kilowatts an hour. But in Meridian, Mississippi, their charger can't crack 20. It's supposed to do 350. It can only do 20. And that's a fast charger. And I could go on and on with the experiences that, that these two women had. Um, stopping at points, trying to find charging stations that work and that can do it rapidly enough. So this, this technology so far is a bust for most normal people who can't afford Teslas. And... Uh, what, what happens sometimes when you run into bad weather, uh, the, like they, they, they thought they could uh, go a certain distance uh, on cruise control, but there was so much wind and rain as they passed through a storm, the cruise control would not work, and then the battery started bleeding life. And what began as a 100-mile cushion as they drove from one city to the next fell to 30 miles. And it took three hours to recharge there. So imagine you're running out of juice in a storm. You have to stop and recharge your battery, and it takes three hours. And this was just a random trip the Wall Street Journal reporter decided to take from New Orleans to Chicago. Just got one of these uh, charger apps. And, and this, uh, this is obviously a nightmare. This is obviously not what you would plan to do as a couple or with a family. You can't do it. It's you not out there. You should have seen the line in Baker on the way home from Vegas this weekend. 
there was like five hours worth of traffic coming out of Vegas, and yeah. it took like five hours to get to Baker because they closed two out of the three lanes for some quote unquote construction, which I did not see happening. Um, but the Tesla charger was like a line out into the street <laughs> to get into just the chargers, just the chargers, yeah, yeah just just the charger. And you can imagine sitting in five hours of traffic, how much of the battery is being drained on the car. Apply that to Los Angeles with all the traffic. Oh, here. no chance. Yeah. So everybody's batteries are going to go dead. And the chargers don't exist. And if they do exist, they don't work or they're really slow. I met you, all people come back from Las Vegas. Where are they going to go? The Tesla people can't even get service properly. This, this you're going to see. This is going to be highly entertaining. It's one of the worst, nuttiest ideas to implement by force that the government could come up with. But what do I know? Says in the paper today that Gavin Newsom is going to be president. John and Ken show. Deborah Mark has the news. KFI AM six forty. Hey Ken, did you know that gold is the only currency that's held its value since the dawn of money? Well, I did. Thanks to our friends at Legacy Precious Metals, the most trusted name in gold investing. Investing in gold protects you against inflation and gives you a hedge against stock market volatility. Don't leave your retirement to chance. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at eight six six. Six nine one two one seven three, or download your free investor's guide now at buylegacygold.com. That's buylegacygold.com. When it comes to a thriving career, everyone could use a little support, especially when it comes to transitions. At LHH, we're committed to personalized support, insights, and resources that lead to more job opportunities. No matter what role a professional has in your organization, our services offer an experience that fits each individual. And for organizations, LHH provides consultative support and guidance through the entire outplacement or career transition process. It's outplacement reimagined. Visit LHHtalent.com today. Do you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stan the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon.